episode of Tuned In with a redaction. Gotcha. Oh, because I'm pretty sure last week we were talking about something. We were talking about we were talking about Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Robert Eggers, and I was like, "Yeah, I've seen the Lighthouse," and I honestly I thought I had. And then oh. we watched it the other day, and about three minutes in, I was like, "I have definitely not seen this movie." <laughs> wow! So you've never seen? So you, all you've seen from him is the Northman. You've seen yes. the Northman? Okay. I have seen the Northman. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I think it was one of those things with the lighthouse where I was just like, I'd seen so much about it. I'd seen a lot of the clips mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And at some point my brain just kind of went checked. Yeah. But lo, I have not seen this movie mm-hmm. before. Um, and I watched it this past week mm. and this movie is fucking insane. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's been several, several days and I really don't know how to even begin to unpack what that was. Um, I mean, it's one of those weird things that like I it's, it's the lighthouse. I feel like, in that my brain checked it off as like a movie that I watched and enjoyed yeah. without having seen it. Like, I think it's a generally easy to say that like, yeah, it, this is an incredible movie. Yeah. This is an incredible movie. Uh, I will say cinematography wise, incredible. Yeah. I did feel like it wanted to be in widescreen, mm. but I also think that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was suffocating the, the frame. Yes. The whole thing. But um, yes. Yeah. What a wild movie. Um, I won't talk too much about it because it's, you know, it's the lighthouse. Go watch it. Not as extreme as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Or as my head had conjured that it was. Yeah. Um, You know, extreme, but Saltburn, I think, is like more shocking than this movie. Oh, absolutely. You know? Um, Yeah. I mean,. What a pairing between Robert Pattinson and, and Willem Dafoe. Um, oh, my God, yeah. You know, I mean, Willem Dafoe doing his full force Willem Dafoe kind of thing, but yeah, a, a, a fun kind of, I won't say new, but like a fun exercise from from Robert Pattinson. Because mm-hmm. he, do, he does some weird stuff from time to time, but uh, very different from a lot of the stuff he's done. Absolutely. The sequence where he's drunk and he's dancing uh and singing oh my god it is one of those things where i'm like did you guys have fun making this film because there's a couple shots also of him just like out on the rocks and the wind Mm -hmm. is and the water is just whipping him like when he's waiting for the boat the first time yeah i'm like oh my god how long did you stand out there man like how many takes did you do robert eggers like he looks absolutely miserable miserable (laughs) yeah yeah i mean and it's tough to say because it 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 it's weird to think of how much of a struggle that actually was. Cause mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know, but like part of me feels like that was not a full set. You know, I think there yeah. were probably parts that were a set, but like yeah. that there were on location vibes to a lot of that. Um, yeah. And just, pff, I don't know. Great stuff. Makes me more excited for Nosferatu. This movie from Eggers is the one that w- that made me go, Oh Yes. He can that sells one, him doing Nosferatu. 1,000%, yeah. you know. Um, and it's also, like, it's hilarious, but also, like, so fucking dark. And, like, the yeah. whole end. I mean, it's just, yeah, I'm so, what, what possessed you guys to flip that on? I don't know. I think we were rolling through a list somewhere, uh, and it came up, and Jess kind of, like, we were looking for a Friday night movie to watch. Wow. Uh, and Jess was like, Ooh, I want to see that. And I was like, Oh, okay. I think I've seen it. And then like we started and I was like, Oh no, I haven't. Here yeah. we go. Strap yeah. in. So. Here we go. 
Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Wild. Wonderful. I have no transition here, but <laughs> um, I usually, I think about once a year now, I talk about a show that I'm really enjoying or something that's gripped me. And mm-hmm. I've realized that, and I was actually talking to Jess today about this, the, the reason that certain shows hit me is because they feel like old school TV. You know, I talked about mm. Reacher last year. I talked about, or I've talked about from last year. I talked about Reacher mm-hmm. the year before, like shows that are easy to digest and feel like they should be watched week to week. Mm-hmm. I started watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, mm-hmm. the other day. I'm now four episodes in. I guess I missed this release. I didn't, it wasn't on the list I was reading, so I just it premiered last week, and all the episodes are out. So check it out if you can. Oh, all the episodes are out. All oh. eight, which is weird for Prime. Um, it's on Prime. Yeah. This stars Maya Erskine and Donald Glover as the titular Mr. and Mrs. Smith. If mm-hmm. you remember back in like oh. Five or 04, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were in a Doug Lyman joint that was also... A seminal work, yes. <laughs> yes, one that very much hits me very deeply, where they also played a Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That is not really the inspiration for this film or the, uh, this show, because in, you know, spoilers for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but uh, they are two undercover agents who, like, don't know that they're undercover agents in mm-hmm. the movie, and in this they go in knowing that they are agents and they're paired together as like a unit as like you guys are married now. And this show is so delightful and so easy to watch. And so like exactly what I want from television. Cause I don't watch a lot of TV mm. these days. So I'm like, if I can throw on a 30 minute, 45 minute episode that has just enough in there to get me to want to watch the next episode but isn't leaving me on a cliffhanger it's not like i'm watching one part of of a seven hour movie it's just leave it and forget it type of thing this is that kind of show reacher was that kind of show as well from a lot i mean that feels much more like lost or something like that but it's that old school style and this show has the charm It has the chemistry between your two leads. It's just funny enough and just action-packed enough that it doesn't feel like something like Citadel that has absolutely no edges. Like, it's just... Like, <laughs> I was sitting here trying to be like, wait, what? He's talking, he's comparing it basically to Citadel, but I yes. could not remember the name of that show. It's that's the only thing I could think of. I'm like, it's those two shows about secret agents, you know? Yeah. And this just has everything that Citadel just doesn't have. It's well made. You can tell that the people who are show running it really care about this and wanted to make something different. And I texted you, I believe, last week or this weekend saying like the cameos are just mm-hmm. insane and they are true cameos it's like you know sometimes they're in it for the episode but they're such a bit player and i sure. just started watching episode five and again the therapist i was like it's it's her oh my god it's her and like yeah, every no spoilers, episode no, i'm gonna i'm gonna push through this there yeah. every single episode has between one and three all-time cameos um and it's just the perfect kind of like vehicle for Donald Glover and Maya Erskine, who who I'd never seen before, but she is mashing his energy. And honestly, without her, I don't think the show works because she gives it a level of um, like authenticity that I'm like, oh, it's Donald Glover. Like I've seen yeah. him for a decade now and I know his bit and he's pretty much doing his bit. She's yeah. like someone new that is playing on his level, but also brings it back down to like, oh, I don't really know what you're capable of at, at mm-hmm. any given moment where I kind of do with him. Um, I'm really enjoying this show. It's not a 10 out of 10, but it is like a. am wondering why they didn't market this more because I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, 
compared to Citadel, yeah. I know, which, I mean, I think it was the budgetary <laughs> thing. They're like, we have to make this work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd say check out Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Just about anybody should. I, this is one that I will for sure recommend to my father. He would love this kind of show. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, you know, if you got, I, I don't even know how long, I think it's eight episodes. So if you got like less than eight hours to, to burn and you're looking for a show, you could there do you worse go. than this. So Take a day off of work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. I do want to watch that. I it, like I almost hit play on it today, but I was like, I think the first episode is like just under an hour and I yeah. had 45 minutes and I was like, ah, yeah, I'll get it next time. Yeah. But wait till you see who shows up in the first two seconds of that. Fucking I can't episode, wait, man. I can't wait. It reminds me of. Uh, was it the gray man? Mm-hmm. No, it was ghosted mm. um, where uh, there were like four camp. I mean, it reminds me as though I oh, watched God, it, but yeah. like. Uh, in Ghosted, there were like three massive like MCU tie-in uh, cameos within like one scene. That and you're was, like, like Jesus, but, yeah. <laughs> this is better than Ghosted, I'll say. Yeah, I feel like I have to apologize because I feel like uh, when I talked about Ghosted on Tuned In long ago, I was like, and then now I'll never talk about that movie again. And now here um, we are, and here I am, months later. Sure. Uh, I will transition to this week's go- Ghostbusters. No, mm. this week's uh, Godzilla watch mm. of the year- week. This week's Godzilla. That was terribly. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I watched Rodan. Yes. Um, which is the first of these that is like a standalone monster outside of Godzilla mm. or King Kong. Rodan is like one of the rogues galleries of Kaiju that's considered part of uh He's basically a pterodactyl. Mm. Um, also uh, directed by Ashiro Honda, who did all of the main original Godzillas. So, like, this is kind of his jam moving forward is he made the original Godzilla. And then he just kept making these new monster movies. He made the original Mothra. He made the original, like, um, uh, Tagora. Uh, what's the other one that I'm thinking of here? Um, Varin. Like, all of these different ones, like, come from him. He is, like, the godfather. Right, right. Um, so Rodan um, is same kind of thing. Um, it's like there's a level to which movies these days don't have the kind of like metaphor that or allegory that like a lot of these older movies did. Yeah. You know, um, and like I, I've been going back and forth with myself on this of like, is that true or are they just subtler now? And I'm like, it's really just like. They don't hit like they they used to um, as I become an old man in in live on the podcast here. But so whereas like Godzilla was very much about like the atomic attacks in Japan and all that. Rodan is much more of kind of a global warming kind of thing. Oh, Um, it's focused around a um, I think a coal mine. Okay, I think it was coal. I know it was kind of just like rocks, but I think it was intended to be coal. Okay. Um, it's set in this coal mine and they kind of dig into the earth and accidentally awaken this giant pterodactyl. Um, As, and then there's you know, another one and like, that you know, and so it's like, there's, there's these parallels here about like what's going on and all that kind of stuff. And it's wild to see, you know, global warming concerns from 1956. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, shocking actually. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. Um, but this movie's pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I buy into this Rodan way more than I did in the modern Godzilla mm. kind of thing. And Godzilla kind of King of the Monsters, he's yeah. kind of just like scary. But like, this is like a 
big ass pterodactyl that's like capable of supersonic speeds. Oh shit. Like that's the thing is like, it's flying around setting off sonic booms and destroying cities. Um, that's sick. (laughs) The thing I will say on this is of all of these that I've watched so far, we are so perfectly primed for a Rodan movie in like the legacy, the legendary era, you know, like as part of that universe, Mm -hmm. like, a Rodan movie is so primed right now because mm. it's like this Godzilla thing, but he's airborne. Yeah. So it's all like the like a lot of the stuff in Rodan is about fighter pilots. And I'm like coming off of Top Gun. I was going to say Maverick. Yeah. Like we are prepped for a fighter pilots versus giant pterodactyl mm. movie. It's like just perfect. It could be. You have all of the beats that you would need to like hit out something like that. And it, I want it so bad. Just give it to me. I want it. I want a current Rodan movie. Ooh, I wonder if that's in the works at all. I mean, I don't, I think they're just like struggling with fucking I think Godzilla. they're just Godzilla versus Kong, Godzilla versus Kong. And like they kind of, it's weird with the, the legendary ones because they kind of burn through a lot of the monsters. Yeah. But man, I want a Rodan movie. Ooh, I just saw... Oh, this is a fandom thing. I was like, Rodan 2025, Zack Snyder. I was like, oh my God, why? (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) I don't think that's real. (laughs) I would no longer be interested in that, yeah. 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 Lots of slow-mo Rodan. Um, Well, that's... Slow Dan. Yeah. Where where did you watch this? It's on Max. It's on Max. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. It's also on Criterion. Um, But uh, yeah, 1956's Rodan. Damn. That's crazy. I wonder how these films are going to tip your, uh, like the years that you've watched movies from this year, because you're cranking it's a really lot different. of like pre yeah, 1960s it's really different. out. <laughs> yeah. It's real. Like my, I mean, I have a, I don't think I've ever had a movie from 1933. Yeah. It's nuts. On my, uh, on my like watch before. And I have two of them so far. That's this year, insane. So. <laughs> That's crazy. That's wonderful. I, uh, I'm getting more and more convinced to do this journey with you. And the more you talk about them, the more I'm like, hmm, I love the original Guts or the original King Kong. I don't know that I've seen the original Godzilla and I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these, I'm like, you know, even the ones that are not so great, like Son of Kong or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I feel like before I can fully recommend that anybody do this, I want to get more into the thick of them. Yeah. You know, uh, let me pull one up here where it's like, you know, Godzilla versus Megalon 1973, where it's right. like just a ton of them all in costumes. I think. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. That one's good. So we'll see when I get into the. Yeah. The weird. The weirdness of it. But. Ooh. So far, it's been good. Yeah. I wonder, are you going to rank them all at the end? Ooh. That's tough. That's tough. I don't That's know. That's tough. That's a lot of movies to rank. It is. It is. But. I suppose I could start doing it now. You could, yeah. And then just every time I watch one, figure out where on the list. Where on goes. the list it goes. I mean, who knows? That that's another thing that you don't need to add to your plate. But who knows? It'd but be now that you've said it, I know. I'm only 11 in, so that's so many though. That's still so many. <laughs> well, and a lot, but a lot of them are like, yeah, I've seen Shin Godzilla and True Kong Skull Island and yeah, Godzilla, yeah. King of the Monsters and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I'll probably at least check out Rodan. That sounds pretty interesting. I didn't know he was a giant ter- pterodactyl. I uh, yeah, that piques yeah. my interest. 
He's it's short too. It's like 72 minutes. Oh, love it. So Absolutely. Easy love to it. easy to crank out. Fantastic. Uh another movie that's easy to crank out is one I talked to you about off mic last week. Um, but it's one I can't stop thinking about. It's Living in mm. Oblivion. Yes. The uh Steve Buscemi yes. film about a film set, an indie film production that just keeps going wrong. And Steve Buscemi plays the director. And Honestly, if you're not a filmmaker, and I don't mean this to be like a pretentious thing, but like if you've not been on a film set, this might not click with you. You might actually just yeah. think this is kind of annoying. But for me and you and anyone else who's listening to this that's been anywhere near a film set, indie or otherwise, this is so deadly accurate mm -hmm. to a degree that is like shocking. Like it is absolutely mm -hmm. shocking. It's just about a low budget film production where everyone thinks they have the best idea nobody actually has a good idea the film looks like it's not going to really come together and then everything sort of aligns in a way that makes sense and it's literally like it takes place over the course of like a few hours maybe i think i don't even yeah. really know it seems like it's taking place in real time besides some like fever dreams and stuff when they cut to black and white and it's like a dream and mm -hmm. just like every single take, something's going wrong. I mean, I said this to you, and I think I said this to one of my coworkers who rec actually recommended this movie, but the scene in Babylon where yeah. they're doing the same thing, they introduced sound to films, and every single take, something goes wrong. I'm like, oh, Damien Chazelle loves this movie. Has seen this movie. Because yeah. it is like verbatim the same exact thing. Um I mean, yeah. Dermot Mulroney as the absolutely pretentious DP with an eye patch is just like chef's yep. kiss. Peter Dinklage coming in for like two minutes out of nowhere. Yep. Um, Kevin Corrigan. Yep, Kevin Cor. Oh my god, man! As yep. the as the focus puller, you got Catherine Keener as your like diva slash anti diva. Yep. I mean, it's just it's this is literally made it into probably my top fifty favorite movies. Like I I can't wait to absolutely. watch this again. It is so good. <laughs> So I haven't seen this movie probably in 20 years yeah. and there are so many things in it that I just full on remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I'm yeah. like, I, yep, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's exactly how it is. And like, it's, it rings so true. And like Tom DeKillo, the, the, the director I, is just like, yeah, nails it. I don't know where the inspiration for this came from, but yeah, um, this was, I was shown this in one of my first classes oh, in film school. Brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's just crazy. Love I'm it. Above this movie, it's it's brilliant. And Steve Buscemi, who like you know, he does lead films, but not as mm -hmm. often. I mean, he's he's one of the better character actors of all time. But to see him lead a film where he's not actually doing his Steve Buscemi thing, which is just being like a yeah. madman, is kind of strange. And you you almost forget that it's Steve Buscemi at a certain point where you're like, oh whoa. Because like, he does kind whoa. of carry it. Yes. He carries it in a way I feel like you've never... Like, There's no other movie I can think of where Steve Buscemi is carrying it yes. the way he does in this. Agreed. Um, and I don't, I think I said this back to you when you were telling me you'd watched it. Like, I don't think anyone besides Steve Buscemi could have done that role. 100%, which is so you weird. Know? Like, what the hell? It's like it was written for yeah. him. It's crazy. But anyway, yeah. if you can and you're interested, watch Living in Oblivion. It is... It is absolutely brilliant like truly streaming on uh peacock and roku it looks like yes i think that yeah peacock is i'm uh it might also be on a criterion but i think i did watch it on peacock but worth it check it out nice so good nice um i am gonna wrap my side up here with a movie that this is my saturday morning uh 
movie this year, and I totally did not intend to watch this. Oh. But I watched a movie from 1975 mm-hmm. called Rollerball. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know if you remember. I, I don't know if you would remember, but there was another Rollerball in like 2004, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, 2002 that I remember watching trailers for. And I remember watching like being like, ooh, that looks cool. Yeah. You know, um, and it recently came back across my radar and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. Like, I, that's like one of those ones I never watched, you know? Yeah. Um, but the 2002 one, A, is directed by John McTiernan, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole lot to unpack. Yep. A la Die Hard and Predator and Last Action Hero, et cetera. Yep. Uh, but also is like really, really poorly reviewed. So I was like, yeah, do I want to? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I discovered that. This movie is a remake of a movie uh, with James Caan from yeah. 1975 called Rollerball, also called Rollerball, right. um, directed by Norman Jewison, um, a la like Moonstruck and Fiddler on the Roof and In the Heat of the Night. Oh my like, God. Okay. Didn't know that. You know, like big time director and like yeah. the Hurricane and the Thomas Crown Affair, the original one. Oh like, my God. Yeah. Like big time director. Um, And this movie is... I was saying when I was talking about Rodan about how like we don't do like symbolism and uh, allegory and whatnot the way we used to. And this whole thing. So it's set in 2018, Mm -hmm. which is Mm. like the future, you know, 1975 to 2018. um, Awesome. Where it's basically countries have fallen apart and it's all just become corporations mm. that own everything like there instead of countries there's corporations um pretty accurate and <laughs> all of these corporations all have it all sports has evolved just into rollerball which is for those who don't know rollerball is basically like um roller derby mm. they're on roller skates going around in a circle trying to put a, a ball in a hole sure um but there's like a whole lot more to it. There's like two guys that are rolling around on each team on motorcycles to like help drag people around. It's a wild sport. Um, and it's incredibly, incredibly violent. Sure. People like die. Um, and I, stuff. Like people like die. Yeah. Like one of the first <laughs> things you hear is like, oh, the record for people dying in one game is nine. Oh, and my you're like, God. Here we go. Um, and then so like James Kahn here, I'm describing this too much, but James Kahn is basically like a Tom Brady of rollerball kind of thing. Yeah. The goat where he's like the greatest of all time. He's been doing it for a decade and they want him to retire. Sure. Um, and this whole kind of thing unfolds of him not wanting to retire him, trying to like push into like the corporate world and figure out why they're trying to make him retire. Mm -hmm. And like, it's this whole weird thing about like individualism and like, you know, like, like nihilism to a degree of just like nothing really matters of like corporate greed and like, you know, corporations don't care about humans, like all this stuff. There's like just this stuff that it's like openly exploring, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, And there's a whole level of like, you know, computers run everything because it was, you know, it's hilariously future proof computer stuff there. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So this movie is really interesting. It mm-hmm. gets a little off track at a couple points where you're just kind of like, uh, we're trying to shoehorn one too many little things in here, but it's right. definitely worth the watch. Um, it's very bleak, um, but 
it's pretty fucking good, man. Yeah, this has danced around my curiosity a lot, and I think that um, shout out to seventy millimeter. I think they just did this on seventy millimeter like last oh, week no or shit. two weeks ago. So I was like, "Oh, Rollerball," and then I was like, "I don't know what people say about this film. I don't never heard anyone talk about it." So um, I am interested, though. I mean, James Con, one of the greats, R.I.P. He's really good in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's something else, and uh, I'll put it this way: another one that like there, I'd be down for a remake of this right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this movie is based on a political stance and a mm-hmm. political like forecast of the future, and like, I'm fine with like a let's do this where instead of in, you know, instead of 2018, we're looking at you know 2040 or 2050. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like see, like let's find a director that can see what that looks like. Um, yeah, but oh, good, good movie, man. Yeah, um, I feel like I may still pull the trigger on the two thousand two one just to see. Um, you know, just to see. It's weird because it seems like it's having watched the first one now. It seems like it's the reverse almost, where mm. like they're trying to quit, but they they're pulling it back in. So I don't know, hmm. but. uh Rollerball, nineteen seventy five, streaming on Amazon Prime for free. For free, okay. There you Add go. Add it to my watch list. That's uh, I'm very very interested. It's funny too because I'm like now I'm thinking I'm like people these days don't really make future movies anymore. Yeah, like I, I don't. Or, it, or it's like the it's like I mean I think of like I was comparing it to like the creator in my head. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like yes, it's the future, but like. And I don't know if what like I'm going to get to the end of this sentence and be like, well, I guess that is what it is. But like, <laughs> you know, it's like the future, but it's like really wrap. It's it doesn't feel like a future that's like a feasible evolution. It feels like it's wrapped mm. around like one specific kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas like the future and rollerball, you're kind of just like, yeah, like if humanity just keeps going. This, like it's not hard to be like this is how this is where we end up. Yeah, it's like a very you realistic I mean? kind of view of the yeah. world. Um, very odd, very interesting. A movie that, I mean, honestly, I it wouldn't get made these days. Like it's so, I don't, yeah, not like it's, absurd, it's weird. but like <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. Too accurate, um, and it's like, and it's done by like a really good filmmaker, right? You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that's weird about it is like it's this weird premise, but like with a guy that has a style and then something to say about it and like all this difference. It's, it's, it's worth the watch. I'd be curious to know what you'd think. Yeah. I, I, I might check it out this weekend. I mean, it made money too. It was like, I saw it was like a $5 million budget made like 30, 35 mil. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Pretty big success, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. Uh, I will be checking. Although that out. it would have also been James Khan like, just after the godfather right the godfather was what like 70 maybe the godfather 2 70 something it was well godfather was 72 godfather 2 was 74 so either way it was right so it would have been when jimmy was yeah. doing his thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was uh and thief might have been right around there too um yeah he was he was big in everybody's minds at that point um, I'm very interested in this now. I wasn't up until just now. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's weird. I wonder, like, it's weird that, um, 70 millimeter did it. Like, I'm wondering if there was something parallel that brought me to it, that brought it to both of us. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Just like this time period. I don't know. 
Very strange. Maybe it was James Conn's like death anniversary or something. That's morbid, but I don't know. Something. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. Very strange. But rollerball. There you go. There you go. Rollerball. Um, I'm gonna wrap this up by talking about the only movie. No, not true. Actually, one of two movies that I saw in theaters uh, this past week. Um, but I did it. I watched all ten Best Picture nominees long oh, before the Oscars are out, and I well done wrapped it up with Zone of Interest. This is Jonathan Glazer's latest film. Um, I'm not quite as familiar with his work as I thought. I've only seen one of his films, and probably that's because he's only made four. So uh, I watched... Um, Every the- time we've brought it up, you've yeah. been like, John and Glaze, and I'm like, wow, damn, yeah, all right. Yeah, he's really he, I'm like, he knows <laughs> I guess he only is... I've, I mean, Under the Skin is one of those films for me that it's like, it's so weird, upsetting, and, and borderline mm-hmm. too much in a lot of ways because it's mm-hmm. just a surrealist sci-fi alien kind of movie with um scarlett johansson that's just phenomenal and visually amazing um zone of interest is also in that camp uh very different kind of i wouldn't say tone but storytelling technique uh this centers a basically a high-ranking officer i believe he's the person who runs the auschwitz concentration camp and Mm -hmm. his family and the film is literally centering these people, but not from their point of view. It's like a pretty objective look at like what's going on with this family. Mm. And it never leaves. I mean, there's a couple sequences where like like shots leave the 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 compound, but it takes place within this estate, essentially. And I've heard a lot of criticisms about this being like, well, you're not really showing the important thing in this whole situation, which is obviously the Holocaust. Sure. But I actually thought that was genius because the entire film is one shot completely on sticks on wide angles. Like it's basically, and if you look into how they shot it, they would just put a camera there and leave and then let the actors Mm. kind of do the scene and really just be in that moment, which is horrifying Mm. to think about. And the whole film is based around the sound design and what is and what the backdrop of this film is because these people basically live on the perimeter of the concentration camp and so the whole film you can hear machinery and yelling and guards mm. barking orders and screaming and you can see smoke in the background like it is the most visually shocking film i've seen in the longest time because the two leads, which is uh, Christian Friedel and Sandra Huller, which is she's mm-hmm. just having a banner year. Yeah. They're just talking about marital troubles and their kids and like interacting with different people. Like it is a movie that's not about these people. Like that's the thing. It's about what these people are turning the other way from. Like it mm-hmm. is a movie that is about how human beings can just being on the premises of something so horrible just not even think about it. And it's a movie that I think will remain relevant for a very long time as long as people keep mm. doing these things and allowing these things to happen because it is just about how people can turn the other way and just not even think about it. And it's just, it is one of the most harrowing, viscerally upsetting films I've seen in so long because of that fact. And um, it's going to be a tough watch for people because you don't see, like, the one, there's one shot inside the camp and it's of his face framed towards the sky so you can't see anything except for the sky mm. in his face it is so 
brilliantly set up and staged. And I understand why people have problems with it, but for me, I'm like, this was so much more effective this way yeah. because of the storytelling techniques. Um, and obviously, the performances are absolutely unbelievable in this film. It definitely deserves to be up for Best Picture. It's so weird because it's like a pretty unorthodox kind of film to be up for Best Picture, mm. but it, it's, it is... It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It is. It's will take sound design. I think I, for a long time I was like, "Oh, it's Oppenheimer." It's, it's like, no, this yeah. is a movie designed yeah. around the uh. the sound. Um, and there's stuff shot in infrared, and it's like, dude, it's crazy. It's it's unbelievable. Um, I'm glad I got to see in a theater too because that sound and the score or lack of score, I guess. There's some weird kind of sound hits that happen, but it's just like, yeah. it's just upsetting and so relevant and so just different so um i don't know right, how he thought right. of this film or how he <laughs> crafted it but it is truly something to to behold so zone of interest um this might be the first year in a long time where i'm like every best picture nominee i'm like whoa something you've done something here and this is no uh this is no exception so i recommend people check it out it's tough but it's you know it's important 